Hello, welcome to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Audubon, Louisiana. Unfortunately, today, my partner in crime and co-host Simone Malaz is not able to join us. She's tied up in some business, but we're going to do our best to keep the show on track in her absence and welcome her back next week. Um, so it's been two weeks since we were last on the show. And of course, our saints did fall to Minnesota um, up in Minneapolis. And we're really sorry to see that. It was a heartbreaking loss, but you know, we wish them well on a good season and um, are looking forward to next season. Can't say we're very interested in the Eagles versus the Patriots, but uh, at least the commercials might be good. Um, so in terms of what news is going on on the coastal front, um, last week, the Army Corps of Engineers released its scoping report for the Mid-Barataria Sediment Diversion. As you'll recall, we did a few episodes last year around the time of these scoping meetings. And these meetings and the report is mainly to gather input um, and questions and comments from the public and stakeholders on you know what they want addressed in the environmental impact statement. So our coalition released a statement on the uh, release of the scoping report, really calling it an important step forward and, and urging the Corps and others to, to move forward with the urgency needed to address this land loss crisis. And you can read that statement at MississippiRiverDelta.org. Um, I thought one quote that was really good from it was David Muth with the National Wildlife Federation says, there is no future for vital estuarine habitat in the basin without the mid-barataria sediment diversion and the threat to New Orleans and coastal communities continues to rise as each acre of wetlands disappears. So that's definitely a story we're going to continue to follow. Um, we'll likely have an episode on it um, coming up, but you can go to our website, MississippiRiverDelta.org to learn more. Um, on a similar note, so the NERDA Trustee Implementation Group is seeking public comments on a restoration plan in the Barataria Basin. And this is in the wake of the Deepwater Horizon oil spill um, using settlement dollars through the Natural Resource Damage Assessment. Um, and one of the plans that they have, the preferred alternative, is to use sediment diversions with marsh creation and hydraulic um, uh, and ridge restoration to restore that area that was so badly damaged from the oil spill. Um, so you can go on our website, mississippiriverdelta.org slash take dash action um, and give your comments to the Louisiana's Trustee Implementation Group. Tell them that you support the alternative that uses the most powerful restoration projects that we have available, including sediment diversions, um, to restore this vital ecosystem. And that will be live um, until February 5th when the comment period closes. So I'm so excited for today's episode. This is something that we've been looking forward to. We've kind of hinted at um, with previous guests, um, but we are discussing the opening of the Center for River Studies um, and the small-scale physical model of the Lower Mississippi River, a really incredible um, area and an incredible um, uh, resource and center that is on um, CPRA's campus and the water campus in Baton Rouge. Um, so we're excited to have a guest on who's been on the show before, Rudy Simino, project manager with CPRA, who's led it up, at least on the CPRA front. We're going to have his counterpart from LSU, um, Clint Wilson, on in the second part of the show. But for now, welcome to Delta Dispatches, Rudy. Good afternoon, Jacques. Well, uh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me again. Uh, of course. Yeah. And so, I mean, this is an exciting time. Um, how has your 2018 been so far? Oh, busy as as expected. Um, you know, it's uh, it, it's almost as if January has come and gone uh, a little too fast for us here. But uh, no, exciting things are happening at work, which makes for uh, for fun and excitement in the office. And uh, we are moving right along between the Center for River Studies, some of our other projects, and of course the diversion projects. Um, you know, we are uh, full steam ahead in the 2018 here. Yeah, I know y'all are you know working really hard and moving very quickly on this and. 
Um, you know, I've seen a lot of the great media coverage that's already come out about the Center for River Studies and the large-scale physical model. You know, I did have a chance, thanks to you, uh, to preview the center um, and get a, a look at it when it was still in development. And even then, it was just so incredible to see. It's such an amazing resource and, you know, um, can't wait to see it, you know, and and completely finished, which is nearing, right? So tell us about the center. Tell us about the physical model um, and what, you know, what it's going to be um, and, you know, what you've been working on there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, probably one of the... Uh Radio can't do it justice, unfortunately, but I, you know, I'll do my best. And, and you know, I think, um, you know, as we kind of get into opening the doors, hopefully, uh, you know, the students and, and others that are listening will get a chance to see it. But the Center for River Studies, uh, it's a collaborative partnership between CPRA and LSU, um, and it's really an unprecedented effort to showcase, um, you know, Louisiana's uh, kind of connection to the Mississippi River and the Working Delta. And, and in a nutshell, that's what it is. It's kind of why the Mississippi River is so important to South Louisiana, to our restoration efforts. And it's a building dedicated to that. And it's a world-class facility. It will bring together research, science, and engineering, all all regarding uh, coastal, to better understand the lower Mississippi and how we can utilize it to help restore our coast. So, uh, you know, in, in short, the whole thing was hatched from a, uh, a physical model that, that the state designed and built in 2000, year 2000. Uh, this this model was on LSU's campus for the better part of, of a decade. Uh, it was uh, it was operated by LSU um, with Clint and his students and technicians there. Um, you know, as that model reached the end of its useful life in, in 2008, uh, we started looking at options. Obviously, there was a lot of good work that came out of that model. Um, some of the runs actually helped determine the current location of the mid Terrier sediment diversion. Um, in addition, um, Clint was able, and I'm sure he'll talk about that later, able to kind of um, train and teach many students that came through there in terms of uh, their training in coastal and river engineering. Um, unfortunately, physical models, at least the way that one was built, do have a shelf life. And so in, uh, in 2009, we, uh, we started an effort to perhaps expand or refurbish it. And, and really, we took it to the next level. I mean, uh, it, w- it was just a simple metal building with a model. Is now a 45,000-square-foot facility that's dedicated to researching and learning more about the Mississippi River. Um, so it, it, it's, it's really kind of something that was just a laboratory, but now it's, it's on a whole other level. It's a, it's a working laboratory, but it's also a great educational and outreach facility, uh, not just for the river, but for all things coastal. Yeah, and you know, I, I've seen some of the exhibit space and the space that kind of um, you, when you first walk in and you get to learn a little bit about coastal issues and the work that you all are doing at CPRA to address um, the land loss crisis and, and advance coastal restoration and protection. Um, and, and it's really impressive, you know, whether you know a thing or two about these coastal issues or you're completely brand new. I, I think it's an amazing introduction. But kind of getting down to the actual, you know, centerpiece of the center um, is this amazing model. So. It, tell us about kind of just the scale and, and also, you know, just how it, I was so impressed at the level of detail um, that exists right. in the model. So tell us a little bit about that. Right. So the model um, is, is, is large and it's a very large facility. It's, it's a very large warehouse facility. But the model itself is, a, is 90 by 120 feet and, it, and it's a scaled model. So it's basically a reduced size version of the Mississippi River, or the lower Mississippi River. So we have about 14,000 square miles of southeast Louisiana, which represents from about Donaldsonville to the Gulf of Mexico. Um, we get most of Terrebonne Parish, all of the Barataria Basin, all of the Breton Sound Basin, and most of the Pontchartrain Basin as well on the model. And we get about 190 miles of river. 
Um, and and it's it is scaled down so. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a hard it has a horizontal scale of about one to six thousand. So a foot on the model is about a mile to put that into perspective. So when you look down that model, uh, twelve inches is is roughly about one mile on the real river. Um, and, and once again, it's a movable bed physical model. So not only do we carve the actual river into it, it actually has a bed, a sediment bed, just as the real river does. And we're going to run water on this model, and, and when the river reaches a certain flow. Uh, four or five hundred thousand CFS, it'll pick up its bed and move it. And, and honestly, from, I mean, obviously from the folks familiar with mid Terry and some of the sediment diversions, that's what we're trying to capture, right? We're trying to get to that critical flow where the river mobilizes its bed and we can extract some of that sediment out through a sediment diversion and, and build and sustain land. That's the whole goal. How does the river react to the sediment diversion projects? Um, right now we're all focused on mid Terry, but the master plan has several in the lower river. We want to put them all on the landscape. We want to see how they all behave and get qualitative information as to how they may impact one another or other parts of the river. Yeah. And, you know, it's so impressive to kind of see how the river, you know, I mean, we only see the river right from the the water level uh, above, right? But to see kind of the the curvatures and, you know, the, uh, you know, the aspects of the river, like under the water and how that's formed in the model was just so cool. You're listening to Delta Dispatches. Don Cheadle. Listen up. I want to talk to you about something important, the Environmental Defense Fund. EDF isn't like some of the other environmental groups. EDF works together with those on both sides of the issue. Despite all the fighting in Washington, EDF has found ways for both parties to support real progress that has made our air and water cleaner and the products in our homes safer. So not only can our planet prosper, so can our future. Go to edf.org to see how you can help. National Wildlife Federation gives voices to the wildlife conservation values that are part of our country's heritage. We are charting a new course for wildlife that our children and grandchildren will thank us for. Visit our website, nwf.org Louisiana, to find out more about our work to restore and protect coastal Louisiana for generations to come. National Wildlife Federation, uniting all Americans to ensure wildlife thrive in a rapidly changing world. nwf.org Louisiana. At Audubon, we believe that where birds thrive, people prosper. Nowhere is that more evident than in Louisiana. Integrating science, education, and policy, Audubon, Louisiana's mission is to conserve and restore natural ecosystems, focusing on birds, other wildlife, and their habitats for the benefit of humanity and the Earth's biological diversity. Visit la.audubon.org to learn more and support our mission. la.audubon.org. Restore or Retreat is a coastal nonprofit organization working in the heart of the Barataria and Terrebonne Basins, from the Mississippi River to the Atchafalaya. We work every day to restore Louisiana's coast community and culture with our mission of implementing long-term and large-scale projects for our irreplaceable region. We'll hope you join us in supporting the solution. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and online at www.restoreorretreat.org. 
and we're back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Audubon, Louisiana, and I'm excited to have back on the show Rudy Simino, um, Project Manager with the Coastal Protection and Restoration Authority. So, Rudy, before the break, we were talking about the uh, small-scale physical model of the Lower Mississippi River, which is a very large model, but, um, you know, kind of the level of specificity and, and how, you know, it, the center in general is going to be used as a, a tool for um, outreach and engagement, but also research. So um, tell us a little bit about, you're talking about kind of how the river moves and the sediment bed load and how that might affect planning around not just Mid-Bay Arteria, but several of the diversions that um, are in the coastal master plan. So tell us about what what is the sediment in the model made of and how do you expect to operate it and, and actually um, use the model? Right. So the, the technicians and the designers who, uh, who helped us uh, design and build this model actually uh, came up with a design sediment. It's a, it's a ground plastic, but it, it was designed to actually imitate the actual kind of settling properties of real Mississippi River sand. So when we, uh, we put this bed of sand there and how it is suspended in the water column is, is to imitate how sand in the real Mississippi River is actually suspended, which kind of, you know, impacts how it transports and where it goes. So um, the, the good thing about this model is it's, it, since it's all scaled down, all the scale properties, everything, we, we kind of have a, a real hydrographs that will run. The model's been running now for, for probably the better part of a month to kind of just see how everything is operating and, and checking back to actual river results. Uh, we haven't opened any diversions yet on the model, um, but, but we do, we are starting to transport sediment and see that. So, uh, that's pretty exciting. It, it is pretty interesting to look at the model. We've run it now, um, for, you know, maybe a couple of hydrographs or uh, several years of hydrographs. And what's interesting about our coast is, is the model is big. It's 90 by 120 and it, it's white. So it's painted with a swimming pool paint white and the, and the sediment's black. And that gives you a good contrast so you could visually see where the sediment is going. And one thing that's interesting right now, the northern part of our model is, is Donisonville. The southern part is the Birdsfoot Delta. Um, everything north of the Birdsfoot Delta stays white. The Birdsfoot Delta is just a plume of black. You can see it, which is, which is indicative of exactly what we're trying to fix, right? We're trying to get that sediment out of the river in other places. And, and I think even not even opening a diversion yet on this model, we're already starting to see the power of it. The sediment needs to go further north. It needs to go into the Breton Sound. It needs to go into the Barataria Basin, and that's what we're trying to fix. So the ground plastic, which is black, over the white model provides a good contrast to show you where sediment is moving, how it transports, and when we open sediment diversions, it, it makes it that much more powerful. Yeah, and that's, I mean, I guess it mirrors some of the satellite imagery you'll see, you know, of kind of the sediment just pulling out and kind of, you know, all out in the bird's foot delta, right? Um, and, exactly, and exactly. As opposed to where it needs to be. Right. We haven't even begun running our protocols yet. Clinton and his students will begin that uh, coming next month to start running actual tests. We're going to start with Mid-Baratari and eventually Mid-Breton. But even before we started our protocols, starting our testing scenarios, we're already starting to see kind of the power of the model. I had some folks visit the other day that weren't as familiar with as you and I with the river and, and some of the things we're looking at in terms of the diversion program. And, and, and in that simple concept of why does only the lower part of the river have a black sediment plume? The rest of the model just stays white, and, and I was like, "That's exactly what we're trying to fix, right?" 
Yeah, and it must be, you know, so rewarding, Rudy. I know this has been a long time in the works and, you know, seeing the construction. I know um, CPRA has posted some awesome time-lapse videos on their Facebook and um, and Instagram pages. But, I mean, to actually have it running, is it pretty rewarding? And tell us a little bit about the, the process that went into this. Yeah, absolutely. So we had to build a building, right? Uh, we have a big model. Uh, we, we designed the model first, and we knew we had to build a, a large building around it. So um, in, the, in the 2015 timeframe, we started that process. Um, the building is right here next to CPRA's building on the water campus, which is great for us. Um, during the construction of the building, we actually routed these panels. So the model is made up of 216 individual panels. Um, and uh, we have a huge 3D data set of the 14,000 square mile slice of Louisiana's coast. It's over 4 billion points of data. We broke that into individual pieces and routed each of these 216 panels with a computerized router. Basically, you put a 3D file in a computer and the computer just carves the features that you run route. So in the, in the case of, say, Venice, you'd carve the Mississippi River right there. Terrebonne Parish, you'd carve perhaps the Homa Navigation Canal. So we carved our whole coast with a router, and what we had was 216 individual pieces of a giant puzzle. And starting in February of last year, we began piecing that puzzle together. It took about five months. Uh, Alden Research Laboratory out of Holden, Massachusetts, sent their technicians down here to work on it. Uh, between four and five guys assembled the whole thing. Each panel weighs about 700 pounds, but we have some heavy lifting material, uh, equipment, a uh, crane. We have a forklift in there. And they were able to uh, average about five or six panels a day in a uh, you know, between February and July, they were able to assemble the entire model. Um, so since uh, late last year into the fall, we've been kind of calibrating it. Uh, we also have some exhibits that are going in that we're really excited about. We've been working on that. And here we are in January 18, and it's all kind of coming together now. Wow. Well, congratulations, you know, um, to see this. Uh, and again, I've only seen a preview, but it, I, again, I'm always just so amazed and, and proud that like Louisiana has something like this. That's such a showcase of um, the work that's going on here and, and also, you know, informing leading research, you know, uh, ahead of stuff that's happening anywhere else around the globe. So that is very exciting. So tell us a little bit about, um, you know, obviously there's a lot of a huge research component. We're going to talk to Clint about that in a little bit. Um, but also on the engagement side, who are some of the people or groups that you hope to bring into the center um, and get them a little bit more informed about coastal issues? Right. And, and that's, the, that's the part of the project that uh, I think um, you can't put a put a price tag to, right? You can't put a dollar sign on, on what, what the value of that is. So uh, we always say that Coastal, um, although a lot of us work in it, we'd love to um, inspire that next generation of people that are going to be coastal engineers or coastal scientists. But it's difficult to, um, to show them what we do, right? It's difficult to take 20 or 30 students down to the coast. I know you guys went to Whiskey Island a couple weeks ago. Uh, it would be a nightmare to take 20 or 30 um, eighth-grade students down there, right? Um, so we, you know, we, we wanted to treat this center as an opportunity to showcase what, what, what is Coastal all about. And, and the exhibit area is divided into distinct zones, ranging from the story of the Mississippi River and its basin to the coastal land loss crisis to the projects that we're actually implementing to solve the crisis. And then lastly, there's a whole wall dedicated to the processes and careers associated with restoring our coast. And I think that that's probably my favorite one of all because it really speaks to uh, if you want to go to school to be an engineer, here's uh, some of the skill sets, here's some of the things engineers do. It kind of steps you through that process. We even have a unique um, video, uh, pan a TV screen there that you can kind of hit a button that says engineer, 
and um, a, a person who actually works in engineering will, will come on the screen and tell you why they do the job they do, why they went in the coastal, what they like about it. You know, I like, I, you know, your, your co-host isn't on today. I had a great joke set up ready to say that I went and found the best and brightest in each of these disciplines and put them on this, on this, uh, exhibit, because uh, we even have an outreach person on there and, and oh. I think she did a fantastic job. I wonder who is that? Who would that be? Uh, I, yeah, I was really hoping to be on the show today, but uh, unfortunately she isn't. But, uh, no, she did a great job. And, I, I, once again, I, I'd like to take this time to thank Audubon and yourself, Jacques, for, for helping us with those videos. Uh, I know you guys had a big part in that. You, uh, you choreographed the whole thing, and I think it just turned out great. Oh, well, thank you, Rudy. It was our pleasure. And, you know, it's such an important uh, center and, um, and, 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 again, treasure for our state to, to have. So we were happy to do that. And, uh, yeah, our own Simone Malaz is one of the experts um, featured in the video showing that, you know, anyone can really be uh, a coastal advocate and a coastal um, have a career on the coast. So, Rudy, we have to wrap up. Um, I guess my fun question will be pretty easy. Um, so Super Bowl, mm, are you excited? Patriots, Eagles, you don't really care. You're looking more for uh, the commercials. Yeah, this, this, this may be a commercial Super Bowl year, um, right? You know, I think we're all hoping, hoping things would end up a little differently with the Saints there, but, uh, unfortunately that didn't happen. Um, you know, I, I'm, I, I really don't, don't care one way or the other. Um, you know, I, I think all of us would not like to see the Patriots win another Super Bowl, but, uh, you know, I think they're, they'll probably end up being the favorite there. Yeah. But, uh, it's also hard to root day, for we'll, the Eagles sometimes. Yeah. We'll, we'll stay tuned for the for the commercials and, and see what that brings. Yeah. All right. Well, next season. Um, well, thank you again, Rudy Simino with CPRA. We really appreciate you having, having you on. And congratulations on opening the Center for River Studies and the large-scale physical model of the Lower Mississippi River. Um, we're really excited to see it. And, um, yeah, we'll have you back on to talk about more about diversions and what else is going on at CPRA. Thank you so much, Jack, and uh, thanks for uh, helping us get our word out and all you guys do for us. We really appreciate it. Of course, yes. Uh, Good luck with everything. I know it's busy. Yep. All right, take care. You too. And we're back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Audubon, Louisiana. And today we're talking about the brand new Center for River Studies and large-scale physical model that is a partnership with Louisiana's Coastal Protection and Restoration Authority and Louisiana State University. And we're excited to have on the show... Clint Wilson, professor at LSU's Department of Civil and Environmental Engineering, um, as well as director of LSU Center for the River Studies. Welcome to Delta Dispatches, Clint. Well, thank you, Jacques. I appreciate the invitation to speak with y'all. Yeah, and I know this is a busy time for you and also an exciting time. Um, so tell us a little bit, too. Um, you have the dual roles as both um, a professor in the Civil and Environmental Engineering Department, as well as director of the River Studies. How is that, and what are the best aspects of those two roles? Well, I think I, I get to combine, you know, the research that we're doing, you know, and, and the interactions we have with, you know, the, our collaborators, especially particularly CPRA, as well as the water and their agencies, consultants. I get to link those, those, that collaboration, those collaborations and that work we're doing with, you know, the kind of hands-on in the classroom teaching, you know, assignments, examples, you know, real-world examples that are highly relevant to our students. That's great. And, um, you know, I know we were talking to Rudy about the kind of what folks can expect to see at the center and the, and the model itself. Um, but in terms of a, from a research and academic standpoint, why is the center so important and particularly to LSU? Well, I think, you know, first off, it's just, a, you know, 
a wonderful collaboration with CPRA. I think, you know, the facility itself is, is, is amazing. It's, it's got not just the research aspect, which I'll, I'll hit on here in a second, but it's got, you know, the ability to, you know, I think the, the attractiveness of the, of the entire facility and, 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 and the exhibit outreach, um, the education outreach portion, you know, are going to attract so many people to give us an opportunity to communicate the results that, you know, that we're going to be getting with the physical model, allow our students to interact with, you know, stakeholders, with the public, with, you know, middle school, high school students, with, with other researchers, um, agency people, you know, all that's really, really, um, you know, a great opportunity for us. As to the research, I, you know, I think, you know, the, the, this physical model and, you know, the design of the physical model and, you know, um, is really, kind of, I think, pushing the envelope in terms of, you know, what, what, what the hydraulics community, what the, what the river uh, science, river engineering community is, is doing in terms of, you know, such a, such a, recovering such a large portion of the river, you know, we're able to replicate, you know, the flows in the river stages, and, and that's somewhat standard, but I think the, the ability we're going to have to replicate in, you know, in a bulk sense, the, um, you know, the sediment transport, the, the transport of sand in the Mississippi River is really pushing, you know, the state of the state of the art, uh, and again, our community. And I think for LSU to get this opportunity and, and to do that research is just, it's really, you know, it's wonderful. And um, if, if I remember correctly, I mean, I think there will be class and office spaces in the in the center. So, I mean, what does it mean in terms of, you know, if you're a student or maybe a graduate student, a prospective graduate student, um, you know, interested in, in understanding, you know, and researching hydrology, sedimentology, those sort of things, whether you're in Louisiana or not, I mean, is that is it going to be a draw, do you think, um, to those students um, to LSU and to be able to um, use the center and use the model um, in their research? Oh, there's no question about that. The, you know, the ability to get hands-on, you know, hands-on opportunity to perform, to perform research and on the physical model, you know, with the, the way it's designed, with the type of data, the quality of the data that we're going to be able to collect is, is just incredible. And then you add to that, you know, the ability to um, interact with other researchers, whether it's the Water Institute, CPRA scientists and engineers, as I said before, even stakeholders, um, consultants, you know, other agency people, visiting scientists and, you know, researchers from around the world, you know, that ability then to, you know, not just do the research and, you know, plot up your data and write your thesis, but, you know, the, the, the opportunity to, to get to communicate that and to, to, to hear, you know, to be, and honestly, to be pushed a little bit by, you know, whether it's stakeholders, you know, having questions about what impact might be on their land or in their community or on their favorite fishing spot or, um, you know, a, a scientist, a river engineer or river scientist from Europe who, you know, asked detailed questions about the scaling of the model or how it works. And I think all those things is there's, you know, incredible value added um, opportunities for our students. I think the other part is, you know, just having this state of the art and, and this incredible facility, um, you know, is a huge draw. Um, for, for both undergraduate students and graduate students. Because, um, you know, again, we could even, you know, think of it in terms of our undergraduate students. Um, you know, the opportunity for them to get some hands-on experience and then, again, communicate and interact with, with scientists and engineers and, and to maybe think about what it is they want to do, you know, hopefully go to graduate school and learn, learn more about the river and about our coastal systems. Um, but even if not that, at least, you know, get an opportunity to interact with consultants and, 
and engineers and scientists and, and think about what their career paths might be. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's such a great opportunity and to have that here in Louisiana. And I mean, it literally is a stone's throw or maybe a football pass from Tiger Stadium, right? So you have CPRA right there and then um, the the Water Institute and I know the Coalition of Restore yeah. Coast Louisiana NGOs all in this kind of space. Um, so tell us a little bit about that and why the physical presence and being so close to campus is also important. Well, I think, you know, and I've already had the opportunity over the last six months, a year probably, is, as you know, we is they got the walls on the building, at least in a roof. Um, you know, we've had the opportunity to, you know, tour prospective graduate students or prospective students and their parents and, you know, give them, if nothing else, show them the facility on the outside or, you know, maybe get a sneak peek on the inside. And just the, you know, just watching their faces and, and, and watching, the, you know, seeing their reaction to, you know, just this incredible facility and, you know, thinking about the opportunities that they would have to, you know, get the hands-on research, to, to work on their outreach and communication skills. You know, then I tie that with, um, you know, here at the College of Engineering at LSU, we just finished up about a $110 million renovation of the College of Engineering building. And that is just an, inc- just an amazing building with, with so many, um, so much of the space designed around kind of a student, you know, student-focused, spaces. And, you know, I think, let's just say this, you know, I think it's, it's really great to, to, to be able to show off a lot of the things that LSU students and, you know, have, um, can do and the opportunities they're going to have, you know, and, and, you know, we, yeah, as you said, we show them Tiger Stadium, we show them Mike the Tiger, you know, we, yeah. you, know you take them around to that, but it's really, really, um, you know, fabulous that we're able to show them these brand new facilities, state-of-the-art facilities and opportunities they have if they come here. Right. And I mean, dedicated to research and, and, and like leading research. And so are you, have you seen, I guess, you know, with all the work that's happening with the coastal master plan and um, how the state has really taken charge on the coastal issues here and, and also the amount of research that's happening across the state. I mean, have you seen that uptick in interest from uh, students and, and scientists from around the country in terms of coming to Louisiana, understanding our issues, you know, contributing to it in terms of the science that they pursue? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think that, um, you know, students, you know, I think, I think researchers around the country and the world recognize, you know, LSU in terms of, you know, what an op- you know, the research that has been, you know, not just going on in the last several years or decade, but really over the last several decades, you know, in terms of the wetland biogeochemistry and the delta, delta you know, understanding of deltaic processes. And, but I think, um, you know, we're, we're doing a better job in terms of marketing that or, or maybe putting, you know, um, translating that to attract students and, uh, you know, both undergraduate and graduate students who have a passion about, you know, water, have a passion about coastal or, or the ecology. And so we've definitely seen that. Um, one of the other things that it's really benefited us and, and has really been a great um, attractor for graduate students is we have a relatively new program, recent program, it's probably been about four or five years now, uh, a master's of science program in coastal and ecological engineering. And we partner, the Civil, Engineer, Civil and Environmental Engineering Department at LSU partners with um, has partnered with the Department of Oceanography and Coastal Science to offer this degree. And so the students get a, you know, graduate-level education, and, you know, they get the engineering, you know, in terms of coastal engineering, ecological engineering, um, coastal processes. 
um, in other engineering courses, but then they also have the opportunity to dig into, you know, a better under, you know, uh, classes that, that give them a better understanding of the dynamics of, of ecosystems or the deltaic geology or the estuarine processes, the estuarine ecology. And so I think that has also um, been an amazing program. And, you know, it's really neat to watch, to see the, the applicants that we have from, you know, not just the state of Louisiana or the states surrounding us, but, you know, we're getting applicants, we're getting students coming in from, you know, across the country you know, want to come and want to study here. That's great. And, you know, really builds on that theme of attracting the best minds and really us being kind of the first to really address this in the way that we are. So I, w- I want to talk a little bit more about, um, you know, the, the River Center and your background. So we have to go into a break. Do you mind holding on okay. for one more segment, Clint? Oh, no problem at all. All right. You're listening to Delta Dispatches. We'll be right back. back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Audubon, Louisiana, and I'm excited to have with me on the show Dr. Clint Wilson with LSU's Department of Civil and Environmental Engineering, as well as Director of LSU's Center for the River Studies. Welcome back, Clint. Oh, thanks, Doc. So, Simone likes to say she's the fun one, and since she's not here today, she'd get mad if I didn't ask a fun question. Um, so I noticed that you're, you got your bachelor's degree in aerospace engineering from Penn State University. Has that influenced who you're rooting for in the Super Bowl at all? Um, well, it, let me, maybe even be more specific, I grew up in Pittsburgh, okay. and so I'm not sure I'm going to watch the Super Bowl. So, Ooh, it's it's um, that level, Steelers right? Lost, <laughs> the Steelers lost to the Patriots, and I grew up, not liking the Eagles or anything from Philadelphia. So I hope I didn't make anyone mad by that statement, but uh, got to be honest. You know, I'm going to venture out and say that there are a lot of people who share your opinion of this Super Bowl. So uh, there's no blame any uh, here. But to the real fun question, so what is your favorite Mississippi River City, not Baton Rouge or New Orleans? Oh, wow. Um, I really, wow. That's a great question. We put you on the spot. Sorry. Yeah. And I was going to say, you know, I haven't ventured, you know, I've been up in Minneapolis, St. Paul area, and I love that area. What I particularly love about up there, and now I'm, you're going to hear me kind of geek out a little bit, right? But the um, University of Minnesota has the um, a hydraulics lab, a, a research lab called St. Anthony Falls Laboratory that is on the Mississippi River. And um, so they actually at times can bring river water in through their at least outdoor part of their of their laboratory. So um, in terms of the uh, the river science, the river engineering spot, I've got to go with that. You know, I have to agree with you. I have some family that live up in St. Paul in the Twin Cities, um, and it's a beautiful, beautiful place to visit. Probably not this time of year. I mean, it's a little cold, but... Um, you know, the seeing the Mississippi River up there is just so cool. I mean, I, I remember the first time I saw people like kayaking on the Mississippi and that sort of thing. And it's just a totally different experience than what we see down here. Um, so that's that's a good answer. That's good. Thank uh, you. Yeah. And I put a little plug in for them, too. Yeah. I? There you go. University of Minnesota. Um, which, which, let me just real quick, Josh. Let me just add one, if you don't mind. Oh, yeah. Um, go ahead. That brought, that brought up something. Um, you know, one of the other things that we, we as, as LSU within the academic world, one of the things that we're really exciting about is thinking about how do we connect researchers, you know, people interested in the river and um, 
the Mississippi River in particular, how do we connect those different, you know, academic programs, student educators, researchers in a way that, that really helps, um, you know, people here in Louisiana understand, you know, the, the Mississippi River Basin and the different tributaries and what impacts, you know, they have on what we see, what resources we have available. On the flip side, helping those people in the upper basin, the different, you know, Ohio River Basin or Missouri River Basin, helping them understand kind of what the issues are that we're dealing with. Again, as a Pittsburgh, you know, growing up, being born and raised in Pittsburgh, you know, the Allegheny, Monongahela, Ohio River, you know, were very, very much a part of my, you know, almost everyday life. And so, um, you know, that, that's always in the back of my head. So I didn't mean to interrupt you, Josh, but I just thought no, that'd be interesting. No, that's, that's an absolutely great point. I mean, it just shows how connected we are down here to so much of the country. I mean, right, 31, around 31 states and two Canadian provinces are part of the Mississippi River um, drainage basin. And then, I mean, from an Audubon perspective, we talk about that a lot, just in terms of the Mississippi Flyway and birds that, you know, are up in Minnesota and then they migrate down here, you know, for uh, for nesting. Um, and just, it really is important that we're all connected and realize we all have a stake in this in terms of how the river's managed and how we use the river, um, you know, to, to benefit all of us. Yep, very good, yeah. Awesome. Well, um, tell us a little bit. I mean, so you, I know, interact with a lot of students, a lot of um, people pursuing research. Um, if you, if I were a prospective student, you know, who were in, was interested in pursuing a career on the coast, what advice would you would you give me, or what advice do you give to those students? Well, I think th- I tell them, you know, number one, you 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 need to become, and I, I use I'll use this word here at least. You, know, you need to become very proficient. You need to become well-educated, well-versed in your discipline. So whether it's a student in, you know, civil engineering or, you know, another engineering discipline here or, you know, you're a student interested in mass communications and you're thinking about, well, how can I have an impact? Or, you know, you're in social sciences or economics. It's like, you know, you still have to get that, you know, that under that, that kind of I say deep knowledge or deep understanding and skill sets within your field. But at the same time, you want to take the opportunities, particularly at a you know, university like LSU. And I mean, lots of universities and colleges around the country, you know, offer the same opportunities in terms of workshops, seminars, guest lecturers, classes you could take. Um, you know, I encourage our engineering students, you know, go take a class in deltaic geology, go take a class in, in oceanography and coastal science and, you know, maybe it counts for your general education requirement, maybe it doesn't, but it's going to give you a, just a much better understanding of the, of the, you know, kind of either geologic fabric that we're trying to build on or the ecosystems that we're trying to, you know, restore or maintain while at the same time building infrastructure. Um, you know, I think there are classes that, you know, um, you know, there are classes, you know, the LSU Honors, Ogden Honors College offers some tremendous classes and opportunities for students that are really from different disciplines to get together and just kind of push each other and, and talk about the issues. And, and the expectation there is that you bring your knowledge and you bring your skill sets and your background, you know, to, to basically bring the whole class up to speed. So, yeah, that, that, I mean, I hope that, yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting. And I mean, I'm certainly not a scientist, a liberal arts uh, background, but um, even, you know, being in my position, I, that's one of the things I love about kind of working in a coastal profession is that it's so cross-disciplinary and there's so many 
fields that touch it and, and the coast. I mean, it just affects so many aspects of our lives. And so there's no shortage of uh, topics to explore or, you know, ways to kind of dig in and, and kind of get involved. So that, that's so interesting. I want to ask you, I asked Rudy a similar question, but I know you both have been working on the Center for River Studies and the, the model for so long. Um, so what yeah. was it like to actually see it when it was turned on for the first time and running? I mean, what was that uh, just an amazing experience for you? It, re- it was. You know, Jacques, I, you know, I have to say that, um, you know, it was, it, you know, it, it hit me, pre- you know, pretty hard, really. And I got thinking about, you know, 15 years ago, you know, when, you know, Rudy was just finishing up at LSU and was starting at CPRA, and I was a relatively junior professor here at LSU, and we were working at the old physical model building, right, the Ford Lab out on River Road behind the vet school, and thinking about kind of what we started with, and, you know, but even then, the enthusiasm and the, and the opportunities and, you know, watching students jump on it and, you know, I mean, jump into the opportunity and, and take advantage of that opportunity, and then to see, you know, this um, progression of, you know, expertise and, 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 you know, understanding of physical modeling that we've been able to build up and to watch the partnership with, you know, back then Department of Natural Resources then becoming CPOA, to watch those come together and just really grow and, um, you know, to then have it end up and kind of answer your question, have it end up in what, you know, when, as you said, when the lights kind of came on, the, the, with the water flowing through the, the new, you know, river model, to watch that sediment was just, you know, really, a, I, saying it was kind of a wow moment is understating. Wow. Well, you know, we're almost out of time, but thank you yeah. so much for being on, Dr. Wilson. Congratulations. Hats off to you and can't wait to see it. Um, uh, thanks again for being on Delta Dispatches and thanks for listening.